Conversations on Economic Opportunity, produced by Ann Arbor Spark. Ann Arbor Spark is a public-private academic partnership that's creating economic activity and prosperity in the Ann Arbor region. Innovative businesses and leaders are what make Ann Arbor a destination for startups and growing global businesses. By sharing their stories, they share what makes this region stand out for the exceptional schools, abundant parks, amazing community services that all contribute to our quality of life. Conversations on economic opportunity are a way to spotlight those who are helping this region thrive. Yeah, so joining me today in today's podcast is Don Hicks, who's just been a tremendous supporter uh, of the tech community and, and building it here in the Ann Arbor region, but also a supporter of Spark. So I'm really happy to have this chance to, to talk to Don today and share uh, some of his ideas and thoughts about um, our community and what he's been involved up in over the years. So let's just start out, Don. You, you know, everybody knows you as a, a really successful serial entrepreneur. And I know your current venture, Multiverse, is involved in immersive 3D technology, philanthropy, and real estate, a pretty diverse group of ventures. Um, previous previous venture, you know, was, was everybody knows, I think, that's connected to the tech community here was with Llamasoft. Um, but tell us about, you know, what you've pivoted to now with, uh, with Multiverse. Uh, is, is it a true pivot? Uh, what, what is it that is sort of like what was with Llamasoft and, Llamasoft and what's different uh, about it now? Yeah, uh, happy to. And uh, Paul, let me say thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you as always. And, uh, and I do deeply care about uh, the, the community is my community. I'm a part of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you go, you start to realize that uh, it's a long-term relationship, you and the, and the surroundings. So I don't always, I don't spend much time differentiating between what am I up to and what helps other people at this point, because every time we do stuff that has a positive effect on the community, all these benefits show up. So I just don't even question that linkage anymore. It just, it just works. You put great stuff out there, you'll benefit somehow or someone you care about will benefit. So um, I do spend a lot of time trying to uh, think about how can I maximize my impact and, and also, you know, just be a, a force for things I believe in. And, uh, you know, just to, to start for this, it's uh, you and I actually did an interview when I was at Llamasoft and uh, like, wow, you know, Llamasoft is an overnight sensation uh, that I had been working on for 15 years before yeah. then. Yeah. And uh, as you know, People see the success afterwards. They see the things that they, they look at the money, they look at the size, but you and I know, and maybe I'm jumping to a little bit of advice or lessons learned, but um, if you focus on the success, you focus on the wrong stuff. And for me, I focus on what I'm doing, what I'm interested in, um, what I value, and I try to do the best I can with that. And I always let myself down a little bit, but I pick it back up and try again the next day. And so far, that's been correlated with a whole bunch of other good outcomes. You know, I didn't do Llamasoft to make a bunch of money and to have a big success. I did it because I deeply cared about supply chain design and helping people think better and helping businesses do better with their global supply chains. And I said, well, gee, I, I know some things. I, I, there's some things I can do about writing software and leading teams. And I just focused on that. And, and look, we care about sales. We care about financials because they're a way to measure what's going on. 
But financials and the trappings of external success are symptoms of you doing some stuff right. And what's the right, you know, what are those right things that you're doing? Create a work environment where you'd have no tolerance for intolerance and disrespect. A truly diverse place, which means not just what you look like, but how you think. You can have a bunch of people who look very different, who think the same thing. That's not really diversity. You can have a whole bunch of people who look identical, who think wildly different thoughts. And that's maybe even too much diversity. And so, you know, we focus on those a lot. And we focused on having customers who are not just, who don't just pay their bills, but they're really happy about the relationship. And sometimes that means that might be a less profitable customer in the short term, but over the long term, you, you can't measure all the ways that those customers stay loyal. They talk you up, they pass you on for references. And there's a lot of folks, I think, you know, uh, my friend Doug Song thinks about these things very, very similarly to, to mm -hmm. I do. And Rich Sheridan in town, we, we all end up coming back to the same set of answers. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish, you know, there's actually a grand consensus on focus on doing the right things and success will follow. And, and I like to say with Lamasoft, uh, we knew if we did the right things and do the things that are consistent with value, it's going to work out. And I don't know if it's going to work out big win or super mm -hmm. big win, because mm -hmm. those things are really quite out of your, you know, out of your control. And I don't worry about things that are not in my control. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. What you described is a little bit of a secret sauce, and everybody uses that phrase. But one of the conversations I have with employers in town uh, is goes a little bit along this. You know, we're all talking about uh, what we have to do to attract talent and the difficulty to attract talent. And there's a group of companies, and you mentioned I would I would put your, your former company Lamasoft in that that um, that camp uh, Menlo Innovations I, that you mentioned and, and Duo, where that doesn't seem to be an issue. Uh, while there are co companies nearby them, maybe in similar spaces that are having trouble, and they always kind of say to me, um, you know. Why, why am I having this trouble? And I kind of say, well, you, you need to focus on maybe looking at the models in town that aren't having that problem, right? That, that people want to come to work for them and want to stay with them and, and, and have a great employment experience. So it's, it, there is, you know, some people get totally focused on what the wage is, you know, what the benefit is, uh, whatever that is in terms of their engagement with their with the people that they're trying to bring into their company and and I think what we've what we're discovering over and over again there's more to it than, than that uh, yeah it's there's a we're going to get into a Zen Buddhist question here in just a minute uh, the paradox that the more you want something and the more you reach for that one thing the further away it moves you know people ask me how do you get the financial success and my answer is stop thinking about financial success. And that's the biggest way to get the financial success. But you don't really care about the financial success anymore. Yeah. So you're completely ambivalent. Yeah. And, and it's a Zen question. I think that, that the, these cultural issues around hiring, it, it goes right into the same vein. You yeah. can always pay people more money, but the reasons that people stay or go are very complex, but in, in a few ways, they're very simple. People generally leave because they have a bad boss. They, have, they work for somebody who's not a good supervisor, who doesn't coach and train them, that doesn't make them feel valued. 
if you have a good coach, you're working for a good boss, it doesn't mean you're never going to leave, but it's not, the money isn't quite the important thing. Yeah. The other part is that people are in, in what they call flow, right? That idea that when I go to work, what I do is meaningful and it's tapping into my talents. Mm-hmm. If you've got those two things, then the money is just a, something else to get right. And, and we used to say, and I've said it in long time, I say it all the businesses, money is not a motivator. It's just a demotivator. If you get it wrong, you demotivate people and they're going to go. If you get it right, it's just the price of admission. The reasons that people are engaged are more complex relating to who they work with, how they're treated, and are they able to do meaningful work? And this is what you know. people struggle with the sort of Gen Z and millennial hires and stuff like that. It's not really super difficult. They are saying out loud what a lot of us have felt for a long time, which is, my work is a third or more of my life, and I don't want to freaking waste it. So mm-hmm. give me something useful. Give, make it mean something. Mm-hmm. And, and I really, you know, I only get involved in businesses where the first question is, why do I care about this? Why is this yeah. worth my time? So uh, I used to tell people at Lamasoft that was my secret, my true secret sauce for, for CEO-ship was, I don't have to motivate you. I'm just going to tell you honestly why this is incredibly important and why I'm doing it. And when you listen to that, you'll be like, oh. I guess he's right. This is really meaningful. And now I've just solved 90% of my HR problems right there. Yeah. 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 Well, we started with it. Maybe, maybe step back a little bit. So, yeah. so tell, us, tell us a little, a little bit about what you're doing now. Uh, you know, what, what, uh, what uh, multiverse is about. Yeah. I, I, uh, I saw that you were going to ask me this question. And of course it makes me think an awful lot of stuff. Um, it really, for me, feels just continuous. Okay. Um, Multiverse was when I sold Lamasoft to private equity. Um, I did so mainly for personal reasons. I loved the company, but I had been in that chair doing the same job for too long. Um, The task of running a 500 or a 700 person company, it's different. And uh, I like to create stuff, which means creating chaos. And when you create chaos in a 500-person company, there's real human misery involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People don't like it when you show up with another new idea and you're like, hey, I know we do supply chain software, but how about a restaurant? So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't make sense. And so I needed a break and I needed to retool and think about it. But I continued on what for me is the same journey as before. So Multiverse had uh, was created to be my family office that could let me be a vehicle for deploying capital behind either really great people who are trying to do something or something I was personally interested in. And as a result, we got into a diverse portfolio now, as you mentioned, we have uh, just to talk a little bit about each one of these. Um, the first thing that we got going was a company called Sagan Works, which is indeed, it's way out there on the edge, uh, operating in the 3D realm it's trying to help people create their own museums and galleries yeah. so that they can store knowledge and access it from their phone or their browser. And, and that's an early stage company still. It's out there on the bleeding edge. It's some beautiful technology and we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a company called OptiLogic going, 
which was sort of my original home turf of optimization and simulation engines, just a different spin on it. Um, and that company actually, uh, you guys don't know this, but we just closed a $10 million Series A. I haven't told anybody about it. It's not, it's not important, you know, but it is uh, going to go do great things. And there's Ann Arbor has become a, a talent pool for operations research. Okay, clearly. Um, and then uh, I've always had an interest in music and in food. And uh, I decided, to, hey, why not put that together? And, uh, you know, people don't know this, but uh, back when I was in high school, I thought I was going to go be a, a jazz trumpet player at the University of Michigan. That's, I, I was headed to the School of Music. And then I took a right turn and ended up going uh, to West Point and going into the Army. And you, you don't get to play a lot of jazz there. <laughs> they, they don't like you improvising in the field artillery. Yeah. But uh, but that's not a new pickup for me. Music uh, has always been there. Um, and my love of great cuisine, you know, when we put that together, I'm like, man, jazz and food shows and, and uh, m- making it what we call now experiential dining. So we created Blue Llama Enterprises to do that. And uh, I'll just tell you this one story. It's, uh, it was a couple months after we got the Blue Llama opened. And uh, some people kind of, uh, some of the former Lamasoft people, I think they were still there. They came in and they were talking about, you know, how things changed a lot after TPG came in and they were turning them into kind of a, a cash machine. And, and they were sitting there looking around and talking to servers. And one of them turned to me, he's like, this is a restaurant, but this feels just like Lamasoft did. Right, cool. And, and it's true. These companies have a commonality and you could say it's me, but it, it, it isn't me. It is, I get situations started in a certain way that are consistent with my values. And I like to get the heck out of the middle and, mm-hmm. and let people do their jazz and do their creation. Yeah. And I really profoundly respect it. That is a commonality, whether or not I'm working with PhD operations research people or software devs or my chefs or my musicians or my artistic director. I like going back and forth and I treat them with respect, but I also am genuinely interested i'm i'm not just supporter i'm i'm in the business with you and that level of commitment i think sometimes people miss that they think you're just kind of doing these things to achieve an end or get somewhere but these are things i'm activities i'm profoundly interested in Mm -hmm. and whether you make some money or you lose some money i love these things and and working with these great people in each field what a pleasure it's an honor to be able to work with the guys that I work with in each one of these companies. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You made me think while you were talking, you know, one of the things uh, tell tales about, about Spark. I mean, that that I think is the a part of the reason that we have been successful and have had the longevity and have sort of the dedicated staff that we have. You know, economic development initiatives seem around elsewhere around the country might have a, a, a shelf life, right? You know, a bunch of people get together, say we got to work on, on our economy that gets going for about, you know, four or five years. And then, okay, well, the kind of peters out and goes away. But yeah, I give a lot of credit to my predecessor, Mike Finney, that you know, he set the table in terms of an ethos of who we were, that we were going to, we coined a phrase and we still use it, open source economic development. And so what did we mean by that? I meant, well, we're, we're ready to partner with anybody at any time to solve the new problem that the community has, that we're, we're flexible, we're entrepreneurial, we're going to walk our own, walk our own talk. And, I, and right. so you're right. If you set the tone at the beginning of an organization, um, 
it, it can really make a difference. It can really make a difference. But you're right. One of the things I think we're still at a, a size that you can have that kind of nimbleness. Like you said, once you get to 500, 700 people, we're never going to get that big. Uh, way, you know, it's like exponentially bigger than we are. But but it's it, it's really important. I think that that uh, uh, you know people talk about culture all the time, and and it, you, sometimes you think it's like lip service, but it really it is really significant. It is it is a it is a real driver of success. You've answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask you, and what we talked about already. I mean, what you know, one of the things that uh, uh, was on the list, and I think you shared a lot of out of that already, but. Uh, what when 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 you encounter new folks uh, in, that maybe haven't this is their first startup or um, uh, they they maybe have tried once and they're trying again. What what what's the kind of advice that you gave them? And you've given a, a bit of it now. I mean uh, already in terms of um, uh, sort of the the the, the motivation the, the reason you're involved in and trying to make sure they understand that. But you, do you have other thoughts about that, Don? About well, the, uh, I mean, yeah. I also want to point out the things you said about your own organization, Paul. I've been, as you know, a big, strong supporter of Spark, and I continue to do that because I think you guys are, you're, you are much better than you have any right to be. <laughs> I mean, you guys are doing the right things. You make an impact on entrepreneurs. A lot of development-oriented organizations around the country try to, to do that stuff, but you guys are actually walking the walk. And I, I just wanted to put that plug out there. It's a tribute to Mike, to you, yeah. but also all the people at your organization. Yeah, definitely. It's, definitely. You, the, you Spark is highly respected by, by myself and the other entrepreneurs in the area. So yeah, keep sure. doing what you're doing and we'll keep supporting you. Um, now, to, to your other question about sort of the young startups thing, um, I do get pitches because I'm an investor and I have yeah. actually made a few, a few seed investments here and there. I'm not a venture capitalist. I'm not in a position to do sort of series A's keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not in a position to do that, but I do make some seed investments and I hear pitches. And usually what happens is, is um, I try to understand the why, why did you do this? It's so important. And every now and then I'll, I'll, every situation is different, but I'll, I'll come across an entrepreneur who explains why they wanted to be CEO of something. Uh -huh. And usually I'm like, you know, why would you want to be CEO? That job sucks, man. I mean, you know, you could do so many other things. Yeah. And be, the, the wrong answer is I always wanted to run my own company. Personally, I think, and, and this is other people will disagree with me. For me, when someone says I wanted to be in charge, I wanted to have the CEO title, I'm immediately turned off. Mm -hmm. I know investor guys are not always like, you know, some financial investors love that driven, you know, this guy's a gal's a killer. But mm -hmm. when someone tells me they wanted to be CEO, then I immediately think, oh, so this is an ego trip. And for what it's worth, whenever I see a company that names the company after themselves, or they bake the founders, like, here's the founder's story. I I'm like, oh, dude, this is an ego trip. You mm -hmm. may be successful, but it's boring yeah. to me. It, yeah. And you see a lot of people who lean in on this. Of they print founder on their business card. Mm -hmm. It's not a job title. It's just a thing that happened. And yeah. honestly, it wasn't only you. It was a bunch of other stuff too. So I, I try to dig at that. And and the best reason to be a CEO or to to start a company is because you just 
have to do it. You, you can't, that thing has to be delivered. That's that gap is yeah, the there the and why. you can fill it. And, yeah. you know, I always like it when, uh, you know, the, the answer is, yeah, I looked around and everybody else who's a more qualified CEO on paper, they, they wouldn't care about it like I do. That's the right reason to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. And when you hear people with that, that they, and it, it can be mundane business process stuff too. I have this, I just can't let security go. I've got to do it. And you're like, that, that's going to work. So, you know, my, I would hold the mirror up for startup guys and say, if you're going to put yourself through this, you better be darn sure that even if the company fails, it was worth the journey and worth the effort. And a lot of people make that, that meaning conditional on success. It's got to be the case. If you're going to go through this startup and spend five, seven, 10 years and give it everything you've got, that even if it fails, you know it was time well spent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they're like, well, if it goes five years and it crashes, what a failure it was. If that's the case, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Perfect. So yeah. that's a lot of, I mean, that's very personal advice that I have for startup people. I know they want to talk about what's your secret for success. And yeah, I got yeah. a whole bunch of tips, but those tips are things that honestly people will get into on their own if they take a learning approach to this and, and being CEO is an acknowledgement, you're going to suck at basically everything you do. It won't be good enough. So you must, must, must rely on other people. Right. And for, for whatever happens, get it that people will save your bacon. Um, and uh, I've told that story and I'll, I guess I'll briefly retell it as a, as a key tip. And that is you think as a CEO, you're, you're, you're going to be, a, you're a capable person. If you got that job and you're, you get things going, but you'll never uh, be able to do everything very well. And in fact, you kind of do like just enough to keep keep all the balls in the air. But what happens is over time, you bring in more and more people who are doing everything that they do better than you can do it. Right. And eventually, you run around kind of blundering along, trying not to cause problems. And your lieutenants and captains, every time they step in and they save your bacon. And the proper attitude of a successful CEO, if it's not gratitude for everybody else who's actually making that successful, then you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't make Lamasoft a success. A bunch of mm-hmm. other people did for their own reasons. And I'm still grateful to those guys for saving my bacon every day for 20 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to my chefs. I'm grateful to, to uh, you know, to Dave Sharp and, and all these guys who are doing these things. I don't know why they save my bacon, but they keep doing it. And I'm going to keep saying thank you. That's yeah, so how you, I think that's how it went. Yeah, I think it's sort of an analog to that. The the one that you described, why the, they say, I want to be a CEO. The other one that is a turnoff for, for me when we talk to early stage companies is where they say, well, I'm really looking for a big exit. And it's <laughs> sort of like, oh, you know, uh, okay. No, that isn't what what this is about. You're supposed to be solving some problem that that needs to be solved, right? right. Um, and and in fact, one of the things that we've really tried to hone in on our work is we're we're looking for those folks who are really, you know, I guess it, like you did at Llamasoft, and and you know, people use these names in this way. But if you think about the 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 big leaders in in tech, they're the ones that want to build great companies. It's right. not about them themselves, right? It's it's they right, want right. to build a great company with a great culture that is doing something that needs to be done. They 
you know, when I'm, where I'm going with that, you think about a Gates or you think about a lot of jobs, it wasn't, oh, oh, we got Apple to this point, so now we can all get a big exit, right? That wasn't what it was about, right? Yeah, so, no, so you, you, I think you hit on a really critical point here that I want to double underline. We, when you asked me the question, it was about startups and entrepreneurial sides and why do you get going in the first place? But well, Lamasoft stopped being a startup, you know, yeah. when we get to 50, 60 people, and we really, we did exactly that change you're talking about. We, we are in the business of solving an important problem, but everything came around, let's make this a, a great company and a great organization. And, and that it becomes its own objective. Mm -hmm. So then you spend all of your time making it a great place to work. And that's what management should be thinking about. Yeah. And because it's, it's it's the folks who are engaged with the problem solving, you still have to do all of that. You set that tone. But there, I, I find there really is a distinct pivot between early stage and what you right. might think of second stage and high growth. When you get into that growth stage, you're not, you know, the business is doing what it's going to do. But the organization itself, you have to sit and work on the pieces of it to make it great. And you, you go around from this, you know, this department is lagging or this one, for whatever reason, has fallen behind. And so you, you try to help that department leader fix it. And then you're on to the next one. And there's, there's always a, something to tweak. But none of that really has to do with your quote unquote strategy. It has to do with the work life and what that organization feels like. That is a, that's how you go from second stage to long-term sustained growth. And it's a very different skill set from that early stage thing. This, Books have been written and more should be written on this topic. Well, listen, I got it's it's time for us to kind of shut down here because, um, you know, as you know, uh, we, we you try to do stuff in bite-sized pieces for people <laughs> so that they'll they'll stay with you. But I just wanted to uh, close out with really, Don, I want to express, uh, and I don't know if, how many people in the community do this with you, but I, I just really want to uh, uh, thank you for your commitment to Ann Arbor. Um, I mean, uh, you talked about what you're doing with Blue Llama, but boy, but that is, is really made a difference uh, in the community to have that kind of, of venue and in um, first class. I mean, I've been to jazz clubs yeah. all over uh, the country because I am a, a, I'm a jazz guy too. And uh, man, it's a it's a quality first class thing. And, and the last one I, I want to just because uh, I'm involved in some stuff and I know some things, I, I was really, really uh, you know, appreciative to learn that um, University of Michigan has stood up this this uh, sort of Act Blue fund where they're looking to to kind of uh, back um, the the companies that are coming directly out of UM. And I, I heard yesterday I was on the meeting of the National Advisory Board that you're you're one of the first founders of that. So I just wanted to wanted to acknowledge that and say that's great news to hear as well. Oh well, I, I thanks for the mention. We we love what they're doing. And to be fair, I got roped in and recruited by my friend Toby Brosnowski. Yeah. Who laid on out. He got in there early, early yes, on. And and all he did was explain to me what they were doing and why it's important. I'm like, well, obviously, I got to do that now. So all props yeah. to him on that one for finding yeah. it and, and connecting me. But thanks again for the, the opportunity to chat. I hope to see you down at the Blue Llama sometime soon. Uh, it's for the people out there. The club belongs to you, not to me. I'm just looking after it for you. So come yeah. on down. And, and why wouldn't Ann Arbor have a world-class jazz club? It should. That's this right. is a music town, baby. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks a lot, Don.
be, be in touch soon. And I am, as I told you before we started, I'm already booked to be down there uh, this in December. So I am looking forward to it. We've got a table waiting for you, Paul. All right. See ya. Thanks for the time. Thank you for listening to Conversations on Economic Opportunity. We hope you'll like and share the content you heard today. For additional podcasts and information about Spark, visit annarborusa.org.